Hello, welcome to Healing Out Loud, episode 55, with me, your host, Jackie Shea. It's so simple. Feeling our feelings just as they are would solve so many of our problems. It's so simple. We spend so much of our lives running away from the simplicity of feeling our feelings, and we complicate things to a ridiculous extreme. (laughs) I believe that if you want to overcome illness and thrive in life, then self-advocacy and hopeful connection through shared experience are necessary ingredients. Healing Out Loud is designed to bring you just that, inspiring, relatable voices that have made it through their darkest days to ultimate triumph by advocating for themselves and engaging with empowering self-care tools. I want you to start healing today. If you like what you hear and want more, there are three ways you can stay in touch with me. Follow me on Instagram at SheaJackie, that's S-H-E-A-J-A-C-K-I-E. Join my newsletter at JackieShea.com or contact me directly through JackieShea.com and I will see how I can support you and meet your specific needs. If you missed the last episode on overcoming stage 3 colon cancer as a young adult, check it out at JackieShea.com slash 54. I was sick when I taped the episode this week, so I may sound a bit different, but I was fully there in spirit and so excited because this episode is an awesome one. And if you are a consistent listener of this show, you will notice that we no longer provide a weekly challenge, but simply are arming you with new self-care tools each week. This week, we're going to discuss the thymus gland. In just a moment, we're going to meet my guest this week, Amy B. Share. This is Amy's second time on the podcast, so to hear her story about her battle with Lyme disease and how she healed, check it out at JackieShea.com slash 33. Amy B. Share is the best-selling author of the new book, How to Heal Yourself from Anxiety When No One Else Can. As an expert in mind-body healing, she uses energy therapy techniques to help those experiencing emotional and physical challenges to move on and heal permanently and completely. Amy has been featured in CNN, CBS, Cosmopolitan, Washington Post, and more. Most importantly, she lives by her self-created motto, when life kicks your ass, kick back. I'm going to dive into the specifics in this book with Amy as much as I can. I'm going to find out what the symptoms of of anxiety are, how to not just lessen anxiety, but fully heal it by feeling your feelings and using simple techniques to move through them. I'm also going to ask for a lesson on thymus tapping and why it's an amazing self-care tool. Hi, Amy. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be talking to you again. I absolutely loved your book and highly suggest it to anyone, anyone at all, because I'm pretty sure anxiety is pervasive in our westernized world. (laughs) So true. So tell me, I know there's a backstory here. Um, Only someone with a pretty serious situation is going to seek the kind of healing you have. So tell me what got you into this work and inspired you to write this book. I mean, I'm assuming it all started with Lyme, which we discussed in our last episode. But but then what? Yeah, so it all started with Lyme, as many, many things, many journeys in our life do. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I'm like, oh, wow, so many great things started with Lyme. So that's nice to finally be able to say. Um, But yeah, basically, I mean, I was, I was really for a long time, as many people who have heard us chat before probably know, I was on a long journey to heal my physical symptoms, my physical body. 
And what I realized in that process was how anxiety plays a part in physical illness and, and, it certainly plays a part in in feeling emotionally imbalanced and you know m- many different emotional symptoms but also really how it played a part in in how it plays a part in manifesting physical illness and so i started to deep you know deep dive into what anxiety is how it shows up i was never a person who was super fearful on the surface like i never had any fears or phobias i never really identified hugely with anxiety but it was something that i really had to look at as part of my healing and i realized that anxiety is not what it seems that anxiety is really the the end result of suppressing emotions over a long period of time. And when they try to bubble up and out, we feel anxious. And that was a lot of what, what I think I was experiencing when, what, before I got sick with Lyme disease. Right. That you were suppressing your emotions and that that was kind of, and then by not being authentic and by not letting yourself feel what you were meant to feel, you were creating more anxiety and, and really getting sicker. Yes. And that anxiety stresses, you know, stressed my body, which made me a really perfect open door for Lyme disease. And I can't blame Lyme completely. I mean, other viruses and, you know, bacteria that I ended up, you know, having um, or, or, you know, dealing with. And so I feel like everything's so linked together. But for me, at first, I really missed the anxiety piece because I thought, I'm not anxious, I'm not scared. And I didn't really realize what what anxiety was. Right. So if there was a checklist, like there is for, let's say, alcoholism, like if you check, you know, three or more of these 20 questions, you're likely an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. If there was a checklist for anxiety, what are some of the things you think would be on there for people to be able to identify whether or not they have anxiety? Yeah, so that's a really, really great question. So needing to be in control of life and other people, like controlling behavior is definitely a symptom of anxiety. What we're trying to do is control everything in an effort to keep ourselves safe. So people don't realize that that feeling out of control and anxiety or feeling out of control is really, if you can't handle feeling like you can't control everything, you probably experience anxiety. Um, Inability to relax kind of goes with that, but just feeling like you're always on edge, that's anxiety. Um, Difficulty making decisions is another one. And then moodiness is another one. If your moods change um, without any warning and often, that's one that I really see as, as something stemming from anxiety because, again, all of those different emotions that you've been suppressing are trying to come up and maybe you get a sneak peek of them at different times, but because you're so used to suppressing and pushing down, you know, those things only come up a little bit, but never fully release. And then something else comes up. And it's just sort of like um, a game of trying to keep all of those different things down all the time. And that can really create moodiness. Right. Like on our last uh, talk, I think you had mentioned, or you had talked about Lyme being like a game of whack-a-mole. Yes, it's, yes, it's exactly. Like right. So this is really interesting. The control piece is is fascinating. So I we talked about, I think on our last call also about to-do lists and how you were like getting rid of to-do lists and yes. only writing down things that you absolutely needed 
to do that day, right? A pri- like yeah. absolute priorities. Um, so I've recently had an experience with to-do lists where, you know, they were they were so long and I was having a lot of stress around them and my coach was like was like maybe you should burn that to-do list or like put it in your your god box, right? Like Right. <laughs> and I freaked out. I was like, I was like, what would I do without my to-do list? Like I just, I, and and the amount of panic that came over me made me be like, this is something to follow, right? Right. (laughs) And, and so I was like, okay, I'm willing. And I like put it in the God box and then all of these feelings came crazy to the surface. Not about the to-do list, but like as days went by, I just was having these resentments surface, these emotions surface. And I was like, oh my God, this is because of the to-do, like these are the things I was keeping down with the to-do list. Right, right. Isn't that so interesting? So interesting. So I haven't written one since. It's been like three weeks. Um, and I think to-do lists are great for, for some people and I'm still writing them in the morning when I'm like thinking of things that I know I need to do that day. Yes. But wow, wow. Right. I think it's also the difference between what you need to do or want to do and what you think you should do. Like, so for me, I always have all of these big ideas about like new books I want to write and new programs I want to make and things I want to do and whatever. And that's all great. But when I put them on a to-do list, they just become things I feel like I didn't accomplish. And it's they're still in there's still information they're not things i actually need to do so i think it's actually knowing what needs to go on a to-do list because you have to do it and what shouldn't become a chore just because you had an idea that it could be done like i right. think there's such a, a such a strong distinction that needs to be made right right that's really helpful and often when i put things on my to-do list like I'm just avoiding doing them almost like not writing a book, obviously, but I'll be like, but I'll be like, oh, email this person. It's like, if I don't, if I don't write it on a to-do list, I'll just do it right now. (laughs) Right. Oh my goodness. I am in the same boat where it's like, instead of writing somebody back and saying, I'll get this to you later, just get it to them now so that I don't have another thing to do later. Like it is such an interesting, when you start paying attention, such an interesting revelation to be like, wow, so many of the things I can do, I, I need to do take more time to plan to do, right? <laughs> right. Just do that. I know. And what about what about the way we engage with our phones? Like how do you think or our, you know, technology in general? How do you think anxiety manifests in that? Yeah, well, I think I mean, I think there's two things. I think one, when we're anxious, we tend to go to technology more, which I don't know why. I saw a funny meme not long ago like I felt I felt really bad today. So, of course, I went to the one thing that would make me feel worse, Facebook. Like, it's so funny, like, the antidote to to feeling bad is doing something that will just make me probably feel worse. And it was kind of a joke, but I, I, I can see it. So, when we're anxious, we look for something to do to sort of fill a void or to help us calm down and scrolling and flipping and all the things that we do um, on social media or just our phone, um, you know, are the things we reach for. But those things can really kind of trigger the nervous system because it's checking, flipping, scrolling, lights blinking, pictures moving. Those things are not calming to the nervous system. And you can enjoy those. No need to be scared of your phone. But 
those, if you have too much exposure of that, it, um, it, it, you know, it's not beneficial. And so I think that for me personally, what I've done and not because I, you know, have anxiety or anything, but just because I think it's healthier, I try really hard for myself just to keep my phone further than arm's reach because I realize so much of it is a habit of going to it. And so I find if I just put my phone at the other end of the room, even it really keeps me from going back and back and back to something that I don't need to keep going back to. Right. Right. That's, that's a great, I actually really, really love that. And I'm going to, I'm going to start trying that. One of the things that I started to try to do was stop uh, obsessively checking my email. (laughs) Yes, good one. (laughs) Because I realized that that was also adding to my to-do list. Like I was was checking my email in moments that I couldn't respond to people Mm. because I was busy. (laughs) Yeah. But I would have all – I would see all these emails come in and I'd be like, oh, I got to get back to that later. So I was like, I'm only going to check my email when I'm in a position to respond to everybody. (laughs) Right, right. That's such a great thing. There's a really funny YouTube video – where it's like you they're like how to have less phone time and that's like you're like oh good this is like you're like it's such a great hack and you're watching it you're so excited and they're showing you the phone and then they just turn the phone off and put it on a table and you're like oh yeah because you know there's so many apps to like help you like limit your screen time and not use social media and it's like right we just forget about the simple thing of just like turn it off or put it in the other room or don't go to it when when it's not beneficial for you. It's like so simple, right? That's so brilliant. I love that. I want to go watch that video. Um, So it it, it makes so much sense to me, actually, that people, including myself, would sometimes rather feel anxiety than what's beneath it. Um, But man, is it worth it to go to go through that, that that's what my tagline is, that the only way out is through, right? Like it's so much more free to go through the stuff. Right. Also, people tell me when they first, you know, learn about my work and, you know, releasing stuck emotions from your body and changing beliefs, they always say to me, but I don't want to feel all those emotions. I don't want to feel that pain because I'm afraid if I start feeling it, I'll never stop. And I say, why do you think you feel so crappy now? Because you're feeling it. You're just not letting it go. Anxiety is not because you're actually effectively avoiding your emotions. It's because you're feeling them at a low level all of the time for a very prolonged period of time because you aren't actually dealing with them and releasing them. So by dealing and releasing them, you're actually just dealing with them for a shorter period of time so that you can move forward versus trying to suppress them and then you're just anxious all the time. Right, right. You know, you also stress that there don't need to be big traumas, right? Like I see this a lot, people writing off their trauma and their past and their feelings because measured up to someone else's, it seems so small. And like, yeah. and like it, they can't possibly be having all of this anxiety because of the breakup they had 15 years ago, right? Like whatever, right? whatever it is. So do you see that a lot that people, that people are just like, no, it can't be big enough to be called trauma or to be called, you know, or to be c- causing me this anxiety? Yeah, I see that all the time. And I work with a lot of people who have been going to like therapy for 10 years or whatever. And they're like, I've dealt with all my traumas. And then I'll find something immediately that's like, what about this? And they're like, oh, well, compared to this, it's not that big. And I always say, did you feel bad about it? Yeah. Do you still feel bad about it? Yeah. That's trauma. Right. Right? So 
I find, you know, when I, when I work with people to try to, you know, figure out traumas that are contributing to, to stress on the body that then manifests as chronic illness, I, you know, I much, much, much more often find that something somebody said to them in passing on the playground in middle school or whatever had, had an effect on them that's still there today versus something big like a car accident or a death of a family member because those really big things are things we do tend to talk about, feel bad about, process, let go of because we we embrace them as big things that we're allowed to have feelings about. Mm. The things that get stuck are the things that you're talking, that you're bringing up, which are the things that seem too small to be trauma. But that's how they get stuck because we start judging our traumas against everybody else's. And the real fact is if it made you feel bad and you still feel bad about it, it's probably not not good that it's stuck in your body. It's probably affecting you in some way. Right. And I mean, how can people get around that? How can people start giving themselves permission to feel their trauma? I mean, I think that's one of those things where, and I hope by me sharing this information, if you can't give yourself permission, I give you permission. Whatever you feel bad about, you're officially from this moment on allowed to feel bad about. I mean, that it's as simple as that. It's it's feeling your feelings just because they exist, not because they make sense. And I'll tell you that most emotions don't make sense. There's no logic. And so if you're looking for logic as to why you feel bad about something, you're probably not going to get there. Mm. Um, and this can be true, especially for anger, which I feel like is one of the most suppressed emotions I ever see with people, because we tend to, as humans, be so compassionate that we feel like because someone didn't mean to hurt us or didn't mean to do X, Y, and Z, we shouldn't be angry. But the end result of how we feel when somebody does something hurtful or inconsiderate, whether they meant to or not, it's the same. We still end up feeling bad. So it's okay to feel a feeling even though you understand why it happened and even though um, – it wasn't anybody's fault or they didn't mean to. It's okay. It doesn't take anything away from somebody else for you to feel bad about something that happened. Right, right. And that's actually, I, I appreciate you saying that. It's so helpful for me to hear all of that because I, <clears throat> you know, I'm emotional and I, and I feel feelings. I feel the feels about all sorts of things, right? And like, I am one of the people that has like, a really big, a couple of really big to do traumas, right? That I can point to. But the right. truth is, is that like, I also need to allow myself to feel sad that like that person didn't, didn't call me back or doesn't, or doesn't seem to appreciate our friendship. Like I appreciate their or whatever, whatever yeah. it is. And those are big things. Those things that seem like little, like somebody doesn't call back or somebody doesn't whatever, those really, the reason they upset us so much is because it triggers the part of us that may feel like we don't matter or we're not enough. Mm -hmm. So seemingly little-ish things can traumatize us because they they tap into big insecurities or bigger, tra you know, bigger experiences we've had or bigger beliefs or feelings. And so... That makes sense. And, and, and it's interesting because this is something that I've worked on for myself recently and I've helped, you know, clients work on is that, you know, anybody who's ever had, you know, challenges with the immune system, Lyme disease or autoimmune, um, something that's really important to look at because our immune system is essentially our boundary or our boundaries with other people 
is these kind of friendships or people not reciprocating or not caring as much as we do. That's a boundary issue when we continually put energy into something that doesn't give back. And it doesn't mean you should only do things if you're going to get something in return, but there should be an even energetic exchange. And with people who struggle with any immune system dysfunction, it's really important to look at those issues that you're talking about. Someone didn't call me back. Someone didn't do this. Somebody doesn't appreciate. Because when we keep putting forth energy, we're violating our own boundary. And our boundary should be that 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 friendships and relationships should be an even energetic exchange. And when we suppress, we shouldn't feel like that. They probably just forgot, whatever. Those are the types of things that cause anxiety because we're suppressing feelings that matter to us and that matter to our immune systems and our bodies, even though we may not realize it in the moment. Mm, Yeah, that's so great. I, I feel like I'm getting so much permission from you to just like feel whatever it is that comes up. Like they're valid because they're feelings. They need to be felt because they're feelings. Right. And just to not analyze them. Like, Mm -hmm. who cares why I feel X, Y, and Z? Like, it's, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that happens in sort of traditional talk therapy. And I, and I love talk therapy for many reasons. But one of the things I don't like about it is it programs us to analyze every single thing and try to make meaning out of it. And sometimes it's just like, I feel mad because I feel mad. And there's often no logic to why we feel how we feel. The more important and more Um, effective practice is just to let yourself feel how you feel and just to make a pact with yourself that when you feel something just because it's reality, you'll let yourself feel it. So good. Um, So what was your anxiety like at its worst? So my anxiety was, I mean, I took anti-anxiety medication because it was so bad before I understood what it really was. Um, But I used to get like pins and needles in my hands. I had anxiety attacks. I had, I mean, I really, I really struggled with feeling on edge all of the time. I had a really, really hard time making decisions about anything, which I didn't realize was because of anxiety. Um, But as I cleared it, I just realized nothing's as big of a deal as we, as it seems. And I think also as I got older too I kind of realized like if you say no to one thing you'll say yes to another thing or if you if you should have said yes and you say no you'll be led back into wherever you're supposed to be like I think as I got older too I just realized not every single decision is life or death like it felt like when I was younger but I really noticed that shift for me and and looking back like oh my gosh just the anxiety I had over what color nail polish to choose at the at the nail salon was just so disproportionate to to what's what's normal and what's healthy but it was all that what if I make the wrong decision I'll be out of control um you know all of that Oh my God, that's so funny because I was at the nail salon yesterday and I had so much anxiety about (laughs) what color to pick. Right? Isn't that so funny? It was. It was so funny. I was like, oh my God, this is, I have like an identity crisis every time I go to the nail salon. (laughs) And I used to have that all the time. And I also used to, this is such a little thing, but I'm sure people will relate. Um, be like a Hawkeye watching how they painted my nails so anxious if something looked uneven or something didn't look perfect and it's so amazing now how even if I don't get like the best manicure or whatever or it's like I chip it on the way home it's just like who cares like it doesn't affect me though every little thing that I couldn't control or that wasn't perfect really really made me anxious oh my god 
amazing. Me too. So let's talk about so let's talk about some specifics because what do you do in this book? The process cycle you talk about in this book for healing anxiety is first you calm and retrain your body. Then you deal with your feelings, you release stuck emotions, you release unprocessed experiences from the past, and you change harmful beliefs, right? Yeah. Okay. So how did you come to find the modalities that you use within each of these processes? So one modality that I use, which is emotional freedom technique, EFT, was one that obviously um, is not mine, that I learned. And that one was really, really effective. And I loved how I could kind of use it for anything. I could use it to clear stuff from the past. I could use it to just make my, help myself feel better in the moment. There were so many different ways that I could use it that that one became sort of an instant, um, instant win for me. Um, I then took... EFT and discovered if I tapped on my chakras, different points on the body, I could use sort of the EFT process, but clear things in a different way. And sometimes it worked better than EFT. So my chakra tapping technique is sort of just like a spinoff of EFT. And I love that I can offer that to people when they say, I don't really resonate with EFT or I don't like it or it doesn't work for me. Usually I find there's a reason it doesn't work for them. Like they've only tapped for three minutes or they aren't focusing on things that are specific or a various reasons. But for some people who genuinely don't resonate with EFT, chakra tapping is a really, is a really great one. And then the other techniques, thymus test and tap technique, which helps you identify specific emotions stuck in your body and release them. And the sweep technique, Technique, which is a subconscious release script that helps you let go of old limiting beliefs. Those are ones I created on my own just by the virtue of needing something to heal myself and nothing out there being quite the right fit. And so that's sort of how I came to it. And I think that's how a lot of probably great things are invented, right? When nothing else is working. Um, and that's really what it was for me by the time that I was left to healing myself. I had tried everything. I had even gone all the way to India, you know, the other side of the world to to try to find a cure. And, you know, nothing was working. And this is what this is this kind of led me to create modalities that were simple, that were effective, that didn't take hours and hours and hours to do. Um I have a lot of clients who do a couple of different, who have tried a couple of different programs where, you know, it takes two hours a day. And that's just not, pra to me, it's not necessary, but it's also just not practical for somebody who doesn't feel good or somebody who does feel good sometimes and wants a life. So what I really did was created and implemented techniques that were easy to use, that were simple, that you didn't need any special tools. You didn't need like other people to help you and just like the easiest path to healing basically. Right. Right. And I love that about your work. Like you're very, <clears throat> you're very clear on it not being too hard. <laughs> right. Yes. Like one of your things is that it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be long. It doesn't, you just like want it to be done on yourself. It doesn't need to be expensive, right? You're like, you can do it. You can do it at home. You can do it for yourself. You don't need to do it perfectly. You can do it for 10 minutes. You can do it for less, like <laughs> yeah. whatever you have. And it's something that I'm really passionate about because I, I care so much about, you know, being able to 
take care of ourselves and and self-advocacy and being able to like have healing tools without being reliant on anyone being our own primary caretakers and it's so aligned with what you do with people you're like here are all the tools you can do this yourself right um, and I really love that throughout the book you you continuously state like don't worry don't worry it doesn't need to be perfect. Like if you don't have an experience with this, don't worry, right? And is there a reason right. is there a reason why you you really drive that home? Did you did you have a similar experience with Lyme where you just realized that like there was no right way to heal? Yeah, and I think that was actually overwhelming for me because I just wanted to know what to do and how to do it. Um but but again, I had such I had such anxiety that I would do something wrong or that I would miss something or whatever. And, um, and I think once I moved through that with using EFT and some of these other techniques, I was able to just really see that like so much of the things we think matter don't. I really remember, um, I used to take tons and tons of supplements. And I remember one time I asked my Lyme doctor, I said, how do we know if these are working? And like, without missing a beat, he just went, we don't. And I was like, what? Like I'm taking like tens, like so much medication, so much, so many supplements a day, and we don't really know if they were they're working. Like that really showed me. Like I don't know if that's the right example, but that really showed me that not every single, like I said, not every single little decision matters, and not every single little decision, like our our health and happiness isn't weighed on one thing. It's our overall, like how we take care of ourselves, how we live, who we are. Like that's what matters. Messing up one little thing or doing a technique for 10 minutes when somebody tells you to do it for 11, those aren't make or break things. And I really wanted to get, get that through in the book because that perfectionism is anxiety inducing. It's not healthy for your body to be a perfectionist. Like it's almost impossible to heal in that way. And so I really throughout the book give so much permission to just do what you're led to do. Because actually for me, by breaking the rules and not using the techniques in the exact same way that I learned some of them and not, you know, not doing things perfectly, that's how I healed. When I was doing everything perfectly, according to what my doctors and practitioners told me to do, I, st- I was sick. <laughs> so that was a really good lesson for me, that sometimes when we control our lives, we're actually controlling ourselves away from what would help us. Right. That's so lovely. Thank you so much for saying all of that. You're going to teach us a little bit of thymus tapping, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's let's take a break. Let's do a little self-care tool. Welcome to our self-care segment of the podcast where we arm you with new, affordable, and easy-to-use tools in each episode to kick some self-care butt. My hope is that you will come to collect a number of ways to take care of yourself inside and out. So add these to your toolbox and watch your inner resourcefulness grow with each use. We are building up your defenses, inspiring your mind, body, and spirit toward total wellness and freedom. Let's dive in. Okay, so one of my favorite things, and there's a more in a more in depth way of doing this on you know in the book, but but a very easy way of using your thymus gland, which is in your chest under your breastbone, so you won't ever find it. I have people looking for it. So if you go where the middle notch, where the notch of your neck is, where you would tie a tie, and you go about an inch below that, you might feel a slightly raised area in your chest. Or you might not, but basically your thymus gland, T-H-Y-M-U-S, the master gland of your immune system, 
sits under there. And by tapping it, we can actually release stress and emotions, stuck emotions from our system. And we can help balance and strengthen the immune system because this specific gland is both connected to our entire energy system and also very, very involved with our immune system. And so what I suggest that people do is tap this several times a day. And you can just simply tap it. Um, it just takes some deep, deep breaths as you tap for maybe 15 to 30 seconds. But if you want to go a step further, when you're feeling anxious, we've already talked about that anxiety is old emotions bubbling up from under the surface. Try to identify what you're really feeling. I don't ever let, let my clients say, I have anxiety. I always say, no, 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 what's under it? What's the real emotion causing anxiety? So when you're feeling anxious, ask yourself, if I had to pick a real emotion under this anxiety, what, it, what would it be? And whatever comes up for you, you tap on your thymus gland and just kind of give your body permission to let it go as you tap. And the tapping will help kind of kind of push or, or help release that energy from your energy system. And I like to say, let go, let go, let go, just to kind of give myself permission. Mm. Oh, well, you just combined your your last weekly challenge with this new self-care tool. <laughs> let go, Perfect. let go, let go. I remember in your other book, This Is How I Saved My Life, um, on your journey to, to saving yourself from Lyme disease, really, uh, you talk about that practice of just repeating, let go, 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 until, yep. you, until you let go. And man, did I use that and I loved it so much. I haven't used it in a while, but that was so productive for me. Um, so to do that at the same time that you're uh, tapping your thymus gland. Now, do we have to be specific about our thymus gland? Like what if we're a couple inches off? So it's actually, this is a great question. So it's actually the percussion effect of tapping that sort of sends the force of energy into the thymus gland and to clear the energy system. So if you're a couple inches off, you're fine, as long as you're tapping, because that percussive effect is still going to to help. Okay. And it's similar to our last conversation about like, it's all fine, right? You can't do it perfectly. <laughs> totally. I mean, I work with little kids and trust me, they do not, not only do they not do things perfectly, but they could care less if they are and it works for them. So, you you know, if you're close enough and you hold the intention that that's what, what it's going to do and you're sort of by the point so that you get that percussive effect, you're good. Awesome. Now you brought up the belief sweep. So I want to take a second to talk about some old beliefs and like, <clears throat> when they get formed and how how damaging they can be and what you can do about them using your book. Yep. So beliefs are things we believe about ourselves or the world that aren't necessarily true but feel true to us. And these can be things like I'm unsafe, I'm not enough, I have to be perfect or people won't love me, things like that. Um, none of those are true. They're usually formed before the age of seven, just based on experiences we, we've had. And they're essentially the message you get from yourself, from the world, from your loved ones about, about life or about yourself. And the sweep technique is a technique that helps you release those from your subconscious mind. So that's basically programming. You know, if you if you learn something when you're little, like I always get in trouble when I express my emotions. That could have been true when you were little, but walking around the world as an adult feeling like 
you'll be in trouble if you express your emotions is not a good belief to have as an adult because it prevents you from expressing your emotions or, you know, there's lots of examples, but that's one of them, which is why it's important to release that energy. Now, I always like to use this disclaimer. It doesn't mean you will go around expressing every emotion you have, but you don't want your body to go into stress mode every time you might want to say something to somebody about how you feel. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's not necessarily changing your behavior, but it's changing the stress reaction in your body um, based on believing that thing that's not healthy to believe. Right. And then you may decide to change your actions. You may decide to express yourself more to others or whatever it may be. But we need to get rid of that subconscious sort of stress reaction first. Right. And you're saying that we've created these beliefs between the ages of one and seven. Right. And you say something in the book, like, imagine your life is being run by a seven year old. Right. And I have nieces and nephews and that thought terror. I love them all, but I would never want them in charge of my life. So that's what we're doing. We're essentially letting the little people inside of us, you know, that our inner selves, our inner child, like still run our adult lives. How terrifying is that? Yeah. And it's and true. then we can see. Right. And then we can see why things aren't working out so well sometimes. Right. 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 Yeah. The old beliefs, the old belief thing is really big for me. Right. Like as a coach, I go over it a lot with my clients, but I, I have to work on it with myself all of the time. Right. Yeah. It's it's so it's such a big part of my reaction to life my reaction to people all of the time, right? These beliefs that I'm operating under. Um, so how did you write this sweep script? Oh, so this was a long process of figuring out, and this was the time that I allowed myself to be perfect, the perfect wording that the subconscious, that would resonate with the subconscious mind, but not cause the subconscious mind to resist what I was trying to do, which was release old beliefs and sneak in a healthier new one. And the subconscious mind is really programmed to do what it believes is right, which is be afraid if you, if you know, of people, if you want to express your emotions or really feel like you're not worthy, whatever your early childhood programming is, um, really sticks in the subconscious mind's like, that's, that's the rule for my life. I'm sticking with it. So this this sweep was created, I used a lot of muscle testing, kinesiology to kind of figure out what specific words and phrases the subconscious mind would, would, would allow to help change those old beliefs and, and really had to make it the right, the right length. So it was, you know, short enough that, that people would use it, but long enough so that I could use really gentle, repetitive wording to help the subconscious mind feel safe and let go. There was so much that went into making sure that sweep was perfect. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So muscle testing is something you talk a lot about in the book. And I do just want to, you know, I, I think muscle, muscle testing is amazing and I love it. And you also bring up in the book that, and you can give us a little background on what muscle testing is, but you also bring up like re- things you should muscle test for and things you absolutely should not muscle test for. Yes. And I swear people don't listen to me on this. I still get emails where it's like, I muscle tested to see if I should. And it's just like, no, that wasn't, that was in the book as a rule not to do. <laughs> right. So, so will you yes, tell let's us? talk about this. Yes. Yeah. So muscle testing is a technique that allows you to tap into the subconscious mind and figure out what what's stuck in there or what what 
your body believes, what it resonates with. So for example, you could muscle test, um, I can heal and your body through specific movements that I describe in the book can tell you if your body is in resonance with I can heal, meaning all of you believes you can heal or is not in resonance with that in case you, in that case, you would need to use the sweep to clear because we want your body to believe at a core level you can heal, right? Be in alignment with your healing so that you could move forward. But people love to use muscle testing. So so muscle testing is really beneficial for just simply finding out what your body's in resonance with. And if it's not in resonance with something healthy, changing it. So that's what muscle testing, as the way I teach it, is used for. I highly advise against using muscle testing to find out if you should leave your marriage, buy a specific house, what the winning lottery ticket numbers are. Um, what else? Find out if you have a specific medical condition that you should never be trying to self-diagnose. So, so the reason is because beliefs that your body have are not fact. We are just muscle testing to see what you're in resonance with. If you're in resonance with something, it doesn't mean it's true. Does that make sense? Yes. So if you're muscle testing, it would be beneficial for me to leave my marriage. That's not something you muscle test for. There's no factual answer about if you should leave your marriage or not. What you're, what you're muscle testing is what you believe you should really do. And that doesn't mean it's going to be a good or bad decision, right? So, so people will use it like in ways that aren't healthy, like... I have Hashimoto's thyroid, you know, disease. Well, if they believe at some level that they have it, their body's going to resonate with it. I got That doesn't mean they have it. Right. Um, Right. So so we're essentially testing what the body's in resonance with. But if the body's in resonance with something, it doesn't actually mean it's a fact. Got it. Yes. So using it for the purpose. Yes. Using it for the purposes of healing is so helpful because we want to find out what your body's believing so we can change it. And we want to feel find out what your body's in resonance with, but we can't use it. It's just simply not accurate to use for diagnosing anything, which you shouldn't do. Or, you know, the winning lottery numbers. Like it's just, it doesn't work for the things like that. And I write in the book pretty much everybody. I mean, I'm such a great muscle tester and I have friends that are too, that are in the helping profession. So have, you know, my colleagues and all of us will tell you it doesn't work. We've all tried to use muscle testing for things we shouldn't, and it's just not accurate. So don't do it. It will cause more anxiety. Right. But you're kind of saying like, don't use it to make decisions. I wouldn't use it to make decisions. Right. I would use it to make a, so how I would use it for a decision is say I wanted to know if I should, you know, take a specific job. I would ask, am I in resonance with taking this job or am I in alignment with taking the job? That you can find out. If, if you can't really like determine how do I feel about something, you could use it as a little bit of a clue to which way you're leaning. But you can't say, should I take this job? Right. Because maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you'll take it and then it'll turn into a disaster. Maybe it's, maybe you should take the job, but the commute will be too much. Maybe, you know, there's just too many factors to be making decisions 
based on that. Or maybe you feel like you should take the job because you feel like you'll never find another job, in which case it's better to clear the belief, I'll never find a better job, and then see how you feel. So I always say, when you can't make a decision, clear the energy of being indecisive. Use EFT, tap through all the things you're worried about, all the things you're conflicted about, and then go back to it with a clear mind and see if the decision feels easier. Right. Right. Okay. Love that. So if people read this book and they were only going to be able to retain one takeaway, what would you want it to Uh be? That you can heal from anxiety. That you can. Even if nothing else has worked, you can heal. I love it. I love it. Okay. So one more question. Um, The question of turn toward or turn away. I'm doing trauma therapy and studying up on trauma and there's there's a really fine line between when to go into the feelings and when to just do and focus on something else. Where is that line for you? Um, I think if turning away means you're still replaying it in your mind and body. You if turning away is possible, I think it's healthy. But if turning away is ignoring and it's still really there, that's not going to work. Right. So like when do we – so when is it appropriate to like distract ourselves? At, because if, if if I really give attention to like every little thing that comes up for me all day long, I w- my entire day will be about like tapping <laughs> right. and inner child work and like right my entire my entire 24 hour period would be about that. Right. Right. So like when when is it appropriate to just go or, or, or like what is there when is there like a quick solution to go okay I hear you little little Jackie and I'm going to go like little subconscious like 7 year old with this belief I right. lo- I love you and I hear you and like I'm going to be the adult right now and I got to go do this thing. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's where just simply feeling your feelings and letting them come up for a few seconds is beneficial because typically if you just stop in that moment for 5 seconds and go I'm really pissed off about that your body will let it go. It's when we suppress it that it becomes a big thing that we then need to tap on or do. Mm. So I would say to not pay attention to every little thing. I think that's great. Um, But if something keeps coming up, if it's repetitive, it's more than a little thing at this point. And you do have to stop to deal with it because for many of us, and I'm somebody that this happens to, if I ignore the same thing too many times, I will end up with physical symptoms. Now, maybe they won't last as long as my 10-year journey with Lyme disease, but they will still be annoying, and I could have just dealt with it. So, and I think this is an important thing to talk about because there is a fine line, right? We can't, like, baby ourselves all day. We're adults. We have to work. We have to, you know, whatever, do the dishes. We have to just have a life. But, you know, we also have to honor that some of us are more sensitive souls and maybe do have to stop a few more times during the day. So I would say that if you stop for a few seconds and you really feel something in knowledge and go, okay, hey, I really feel like this, whatever, let me move on now. And 10 more times during the day, you find you're still thinking about that. Then whether we like it or not, our body's not going to just let us ignore it. So that's when it needs to be dealt with. Right. Okay. I love that. And I love it. So you can test it. If a distraction works, great. If it doesn't work, it's not going to work. And don't wait until you've realized it hasn't worked for a year. Let it not work for two days and then do something about it. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I love that, like, what happens when we just admit and acknowledge what we're feeling. Like, sometimes it is that simple. It is that simple to go, that pissed me off. Up and out. 
Yes, it's so simple. Feeling our feelings just as they are would solve so many of our problems. It's so simple. We spend so much of our lives running away from the simplicity of feeling our feelings. And we complicate things to a ridiculous extreme. (laughs) Right. And we kind of miss our lives, don't we? Yes. Because we're just distracting and turning off and shutting down. And it's like, what are we here for? Totally. And one of the things that might help, which is something I really had to learn because I was a perfectionist and self-critical and all of these things, is just to be light with yourself. I think that helps us feel our feelings better than anything else, which is just like, I'll laugh at myself that I'm still thinking about something ridiculous. Mm. And I'll laugh or I'll laugh at myself or go, oh my gosh, I'm sure that person that made me mad two days ago or yesterday or whatever, I'm sure that they have not thought about this again. Let me just let me just revel in the like silliness of this anger and let me just feel it even though it's kind of ridiculous. Like if you can just kind of have a lighthearted approach of like, okay, maybe this is silly, but I'm going for it anyway because I guess I'm mad, you know, like you can have that feeling about things. It can be really helpful. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Thank you, Amy. Tell us where we can find you. So you can find me at, on my website at www.amybshare.com. You can find me on YouTube and then all of my books, including the newest, the latest and greatest, How to Heal Yourself from Anxiety When No One Else Can, is on um, where everything is, Amazon and in bookstores and libraries. I love it. Thank you so much. I got so much out of this talk and I so appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you so much for listening to Healing Out Loud. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Find me at Jackie on Instagram, my favorite social media platform, and follow me at JackieShay.com if you want to stay in touch. You can also write to me through JackieShay.com if you're interested in working with me as your trusted wellness companion. I'm always happy to hear from you with any questions, comments, or concerns. You can also join the Healing Out Loud with Jackie Shea Facebook group. Have an amazing week, you kick-ass humans. I hope you're able to implement what you learned this week, and I can't wait to share more. Bye.